Tonight I wanted to talk just a little bit as I, as I, as I just wake up sometimes and God just kind of gives me a word or speaks a word to me and I just kind of meditate on it for a while and then somewhere towards lunchtime I start getting serious about putting things together. And uh, the, the word that he gave me, it didn't make any sense to me, but it was going steady. And I, I, I didn't quite understand that because I got a wife. I don't need to go steady with anybody. I've been steady with her for 24 years, right? 24 years? 20? Yeah. So uh, it was a quick courtship. We dated, got engaged, and got married in four months. So, I, you know, it's, she was the one for me, I'm telling you. It was all, I was waiting for her all by myself. Just, I, you know, I was as pure as the driven snow. And I, I was just praying that she would get herself right so we could get married. And uh, I'm not sure that that's really the way that it went, but in my head it is. And that's really, you know, all that matters as long as you got that in your noggin. And uh, as I was, I was looking at this, at that, at that you know, going steady, and, and really what that meant was I really felt like God just said, you know, it's not about a relationship that you have with somebody, but it's about in the way that you live the relationship in this earth. That it's, you know, the, the tortoise and the hare kind of thing. They say that slow and steady wins the race. As opposed to, you know, that, that thing that, that goes just flat out as fast as you can go. Have you ever, had, have you ever seen I mean, people get saved and then all of a sudden they burn themselves out because they, they've tried to do everything they can in their strength. And they haven't allowed God to build in their life the foundation that they need to go at that pace and at that speed. I know it says in the Word in the Old Testament that, that how are you going to run with, with the horses? As things progress and as things, I guess, speed up in what God wants to do in your life and in this earth and as time seems to go faster and faster, how are you going to keep up with these things if you don't first have a good foundation of who He is? And it's, it's this idea that says, you know, I heard somebody say this, salvation is, is instant, but discipleship's a process. And, and when we, we come to Christ, we want to be saved and, and discipled totally that moment. And, and we want to walk out the door and know all of the word by heart, have all the blessings of God that he has for us working and activated in our life. It, it takes time. That's a process. I've been sharing with some folks over and over again and some people that, that have it just they've come to Christ in the last year or so or a year and a half, and they're hanging out with folks, though. You've got to hang out with good folks. They're hanging out with folks who've been saved for 15, 20 years, been living the Word, been following after God, been putting it to practice in their life. And I said, hey, they, they feel bad about themselves if they make a mistake. They, they come to me and say, oh, I just I keep screwing up. Hey, 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 you've been saved like a day and a half. It's all right. You've been saved like two months. You've been saved like a year. You've got to realize you're kind of looking, you're, 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 you want to be like those people who are living the word, but you've got to realize they've been doing this for 20 years. And I'm not saying God can't do great things in your life in short stints and short process, but it, we have to put ourselves on the line. And the word that he kind of gave me went along this way that said that, that we're going to have to follow after him. What happens when people get saved and they rush out into a hurry and, and they get all fast and they get all excited and they run back to the bars to save everybody, and I don't want you to not go back and, and bring people to Christ, but they get saved, they run back to the bars and then you don't see them in two weeks because they're at the bars. And, and they don't have that foundation of the word and that strength to be in that place to do what God wants them to do yet. They, they get really fast and they run off. And, and I felt like God said, you know, you've got to build this foundation and you have to build this discipleship and you have to learn to follow him. And that's the, that's the, the steady part. It's this, are you consistent? 
consistent and constant in following after God? Are you coming to church on a regular basis? And it's not about coming to church. God doesn't take attendance and he doesn't check you off because you were here. It's about what you hear in church, not just what I say. It may be what you experience in worship. It may be what God speaks to you while I'm speaking. It may be something that happens at the offering. It could be something that happens at the end of the service. We pray for one person, and God tells you something or shows you something. That's what's important about coming to church, getting together with other believers, encouraging yourself in the Lord, learning about the Word, but then going outside the doors and applying it in your life, learning to follow Him. Anybody can follow anybody down this one-lane road in the middle of the country, and there's no traffic. But how many of you, your lives are like that? There's, this is peaceful and easy as can be. You got no problems, you got no issues, and you just follow God like this all day long. If that's you, that's awesome. But I think the rest of us, we, we got, we're, we're in the middle of downtown in some city we don't know at rush hour. And, and, and God's in the smallest car available, and we're trying. Have you ever tried to follow somebody in those instances and in those cases? I mean, you're going down the road. They may, take, they may go off on that exit. I, and, and if you followed people, I mean, you turn on the turn signal, man, and you just go. You may want to exit, but God doesn't exit. There was a couple years ago, Joe and I, were, we were driving back from Florida. Pastor Bill was in the lead, and I was in the middle, and Joe was behind me, and we're driving. Left early in the morning. And we'd had a bunch of coffee and Gatorade and all kinds of things. And, and Pastor Bill, he, did, he didn't want to exit. And so Joe and I, were, we, were, we were doing everything. This was back in the day when cell phones cost money to call, like if you weren't in your home area. So it was going to cost like three, four bucks to call Pastor Bill. And so we were trying to save our cash. And so we're, we're flashing the lights and driving on the shoulder of the highway. And he's, and he's, he's oblivious. And so for like... I talked to Joe, said, man, like, I, 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 I got to go. I got to go. I, I, I got to get off. I got to go to the, I can't take this. And he's like, I, I, I can't either. I can't, I can't handle it. And I said, well, what are we going to do? Let's keep going. So we kept going and going and going. It was a little uncomfortable. Kept going and going and going. Finally, God is attention enough. And then we, we just pulled off, I think. And then he said, well, why didn't you say anything? Well, we, for the last hour and a half, <laughs> flashing lights. We've, we've had people stop on the side of the road. Everybody else is concerned about us. We've had, you know cops following us and everything else. Sometimes you got to keep going. Sometimes you just have to press on. But I'm telling you, there's this idea that says, you know what, when you're in the middle of this, you pay more attention. When you're in the middle of downtown Chicago and you don't know where you're going and there's traffic all over the place and everything's moving really quickly and and you're not sure what's happening, you you pay a lot of attention to where that person's going. If you don't know where you're going, you usually pay more attention. If you do know where you're going, you usually take a shortcut and get lost. And that's usually the way that happens. So just trust that you don't know everything that God has for you. Just trust that he wants to lead you and guide you, especially in this summer. I just felt like it was, you know, I I just pray and not just a word for the year, but God, give us something as we head into summer. You know, what do you have for us? And I just felt that word, you got to follow me. And so I, I know what that means. I've had to follow people a lot, and so I, I get it. I get the analogy of the traffic and those kind of things. But it was this idea that says, listen, you've got to follow me because salvation is instant, but discipleship is a process. And if you don't follow me, you won't become the disciple that I want you to be. And some of us are sitting on an off-ramp somewhere. Some of us are at the rest stop. Some of us have just gone flat out to another city because we can't, we can't find him. We can't figure out where he is. He wanted to go right. We wanted to go straight. He wanted to go slow. We wanted to go fast. Have you ever tried to follow somebody and pass them? 
And so they get in behind you, and they're like, well, I guess they want to lead. And you're going, I don't know where I'm going. You know, so you're trying to, like, you know, do this thing, then you slow way down, they slow way down, they're, they're just, now they're going to follow you because you've taken over. God's not going to follow you, but he's not going to push you either if you get out in front. He's not going to come whiz around the front of you and make you slow down. You have to be the one who pulls over and allows him to go back in front and continue to follow after him. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, and Paul was a good guy. I mean, he was a man who really was, was instrumental in the New Testament church, exploding in that area, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And yet, even though he was that guy, he said, I still don't necessarily have a clue. Now, we would think that to be like, wow, he's Paul. I mean, we look at him today as, as one of the fathers of faith, one of the top Christians that there ever was. But you've got to realize, he said, even I am coming after. He said, I'm not saying that I have all of this stuff together. This is in the Message Bible, that I have it all made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ. That implies, as he's reaching out for Christ, that Christ is where? In front of him. He's not reaching out to help Jesus and bring him along. He's reaching out to Jesus so Jesus can bring him along. And he goes on in his, in his passage here, and he said, I reach out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means I don't count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. I'm going to follow him. And in Hebrews, as you go to Hebrews chapter 12, we've heard these verses before in the New King James and different versions, but in the Message Bible, it says, do you see what all of this means? All of these pioneers in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it's like the, the who's who hall of faith. And if you go back and read that, it talks about faith in 11.1, and by the time you get to the end of chapter 11, they've gone through all the heroes of faith. Some in the Old Testament, as they've talked about Isaac and Abraham and all these people and the things that they did by faith, by faith, by faith. So that's what they're talking about here. Do you see all of these pioneers who blazed the way, all of these veterans cheering us on? And as they cheer you on, it says, that he said, the, the, the author says, it means that we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. But the next one's the part that, that really pays. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow after Jesus. It's not this idea that said, well, he's in heaven, so I'm just going to walk around with my head up. No, no, he's, he's alive in this earth by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's leading you and guiding you. And keep your eyes on Jesus is a reminder to us to say, keep him first place in your life and his priority and his will out in front of you, and you go after that. See, he says, drop the weights in the New King James. It says, drop the weights and the sins which so easily ensnare us or slow us down and run this race, it says, with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And here it says, study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. It's verse three, really, as you move on out of verse two there, it starts to talk about the fact that he knew what was ahead of him. He, 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 he took the, the pain and the agony and the death of the cross. Why? For you and for me. He was following the plan that God had for his life. Are you following the plan that God has for your life? Are you following him in that plan? 
Because it's not just a one-day occurrence. It's not just Sunday. You don't come into church on Sunday and we get all of the information for the week and that's how we're going to live our life. Now, I will tell you, as you come to church on Sunday, God will somehow, somewhere along the way, that word will pop up and you'll need it. Either somebody else in your life needs it or you need it in your life or, or whatever. But that happens. But I'm telling you, as you go through the week, you got to get your you got to get your orders all the time. You got to he's like that green line, right? The Ameritrade green line. I mean, you got you follow the green line. Have you seen the commercial where the lady says, "I don't know where to go, but there's this green line that appeared in my kitchen." He's follow the green line. So they they go after the green line. Turns left, turn left, turn right, turns right. That he wants to lead you that way. This is not just like you're going to be an accountant in your life. This is like tomorrow you're going to. Remember, we're not on just some country road somewhere. We're in the middle of some town where we've never been, in the middle of rush hour, and the traffic's whizzing around, and we don't know where we're going, and we're trying to follow him. When you're in those things, in those situations, you have to pay more attention. And so as God speaks this to me or to us, I, I, just, I felt like that was the, the, su- the summer idea, the summer thought is we need to pay attention because things are going to start not just getting up evil in the world, but in our life, we're going to have to start paying more attention because he has something for us and the enemy doesn't want us to be there. Have you ever been trying to follow somebody and somebody cuts in front of you? Yeah. And then you give them the one finger wave and you honk the horn and flash the lights and, you know, you're not happy about it. And they're, they're just, you know, they don't, they don't know you're following that person. They don't have any, the enemy knows. And so he'll cut you off, he'll try to get in the way, he'll try to distract you, he'll try to pull you off one direction or the other. Your tire goes flat. All those things kind of happen spiritually in your life if you're not focused on him going the direction that he wants you to go. All through the Bible, people had to follow God. Why do we think that now when we're done, we don't have to follow God? That the Bible's, in this case, written and finished We're on the other side of that. Why do we assume that in our life we don't have to follow God? They woke up every day and and followed God. In the Old Testament, they had to follow God every day. It says that when Moses had them in the wilderness and they were leaving Egypt, that he led them by a cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. That they didn't go anywhere, that the cloud didn't go and the pillar didn't go. If they woke up, and the pillar was there, they hung out that day. If they woke up and the pillar was moving, they, they went that direction. As the cloud went left, they went left. God kept his presence in the midst of them so that they could follow him. And even after you go from there, I mean, he told Abraham before that, he told Abraham, go out from your house, leave this place. And he said, all right, man, where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there. Follow me. It says that Abraham went out of his house not knowing where he was going. Well, who did he follow? God. Joshua, as he moved across the river, as they were coming into the promised land, God told him, you follow the ark, follow the priest, follow the presence of God. Why? Because you have not been this way before. You're not on on the Indy 500 track just going around in circles, although you may feel like it. You're on a road course, and you are headed somewhere. And you may have gone a few laps around as God strengthened you, as he, as he encouraged you, as he taught you how to follow him. But now he's taking you out of that place, and he's putting you on a road course, and now you have to get to the end of the race. Paul talked about it in the New King James in that particular passage in, in Philippians. It says that he strives for the prize that comes 
with the race. In Hebrews, it says, we run with endurance the race that was set before us. You have to be the one. I have to be the one who says, okay. In the Old Testament, Moses was the one. He went out to the tent. He sat down, said, God, show up. God showed up. And then he came out of the tent and he said, we're not going to go anywhere that your presence isn't. We're following after you. And then everybody else kind of sat and watched. And if the cloud moved and Moses moved, they moved. But in your life, I, 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 I'm not with you all the time. Pastor Pam, Pastor Bill, Pastor Corey, we're not, we're not with you all. You have to be the one who can follow God on your own. Can, can you understand what God is speaking to you? Do you know what the Word says about your situation? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. If you look at the New Living Bible, in the end it says, And He will show you which path to take. You may be here today and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what direction to go. Follow God. Because he will show you the path to take. But you have to lay yourself down. You have to say, well, I don't want to go 65. I want to go on 52. 65 is kind of crowded. There's been some accidents. I want to go on 52. He says, go on 65. Well, that just doesn't make sense to me. Are we going to follow him or not? And here's our response to those kind of situations. I'm not just talking about what road you drive, but... Using that example, we say that, well, they get to the same place. They go right beside each other. I mean, what's the difference? I feel more comfortable on that one. Well, it's not always going to be comfortable. Well, I I know where I'm going here, and I'm not real sure about that. It makes me know, well, you're going to have to do some things that make you nervous. Fear is going to come. But you have to follow God His way. Not just His direction, but you have to follow Him His way. And are you living your life with that kind of intention? I think as we get busy in the things that are going on in our world and in our life, that's the part that kind of gets lost. Because we're so used to the routine that we have. We're so used to the fact that that we get up every morning and that we, we make our little shake, our little breakfast shake, we drink that, and then we pray and we read a little bit, and then we take a shower, then we get ready, then we come to church, and then we do our thing, and we have lunch, and then, then we, after lunch we do our thing, we come home, and now she's home with me. That's my more. Now she's home, so all of my world is upside down. She's out of school now. So now when I wake up, she's there. And somebody else is, somebody else is here. And so I, I walk around in circles like this. Oh, I don't know, this isn't very good. This is a Wapner or whatever, you know. It's, Whatever the rain man. Yeah, they don't operate that well when things change. Well, get over it. (laughs) It won't always be the same. I have learned over the years to be somewhat okay with the, the difference in routine. I, I have learned in my life to be somewhat okay with things not being the same way every time. But how many of you know they should all be this way? This is the way it should go. You, we get stuck on our routine. What does that do? Well, it, it gets us to the end of our life. It makes us feel comfortable. But many times we won't necessarily do what God said because it doesn't fit the routine. Nor are we necessarily listening so much because we already know what the routine is. But I'm just encouraging you, in this summer, you may have thought that you had a routine, but maybe God wants to change that up on you. 
I don't know who it's for or what it's for or any of those kind of things. But I do know Jesus came into this earth to do what his father did. If he followed his father, then we're going to have to follow him. It says in John, and you can go there and look at it later in chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says, Jesus explained himself at length to the people who were there, and he said, I'm telling you this straight, message Bible again, the son can't independently do a thing, only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. It's that thing that Jesus said in the garden, not my will be done, but your will be done. If this is what you have for me, I will follow you to the end. He says at one point, I only say what the father says. That would be news. I mean, we, we say some things just because we feel like it. We say some things because we should. We, 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 we say some things that we shouldn't. Seems to make us feel better, but we know it's not what the Word says. We know it wouldn't be what God said. That's not following Him. That's getting off the ramp somewhere and ending up in some podunk town, not being able to find your way, lost. You, we, can't, we can't afford to think differently than He thinks, right? His ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. But I'm telling you, as you come into Christ, and as you, re- you, you get a revelation of who you are in Christ, you begin to renew your mind to the word, his thoughts begin to be your thoughts. And it's easier for you to follow him down that path. His ways become your ways. It's not about necessarily learning all of the word. It's about learning who Jesus is. You're not necessarily falling in love with a book. Because there are a lot of people who know this book better than any of us. But do the people next to you know Jesus more than you? Do they love him more than you? Because that, they're the same. It says that Jesus came and he was the word, the word made flesh. But you realize it's not just about studying some book. It's about loving him and having a relationship. And you follow him to the ends of the earth or wherever he has for you to go. He is the way. John 14, 6. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father except through me. Now, he said he's the way. Well, if he's the way, shouldn't we follow him? I mean, not just into salvation, not just into heaven, but I'm telling you, he is the way in your life. If you don't know what to do, you take a moment, you get quiet, and you say, God, I'm not sure what to do. You have to help me. His peace will come on the scene, and he'll be able to lead you and guide you in the decisions that you have to make and the direction you have to go. I promise. Well, how do you know that? It's in the Word. In Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts and in your minds. You're not double-minded. Your life isn't like some boulder going down the hill, knocking out and destroying everything in its path. Your life isn't out of control. You might be, but the life that God has for you isn't. And so if you learn to follow him and walk in the life that he's created you to walk in, there's peace. There's tranquility. There's joy. Well, how do you know there's joy? Because it says in, in Psalms 16.9, I think that in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. So that in your life, if you're following after him, you're walking in his presence, I'm telling you, you're happy. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not so happy. Well, get in his presence. Here in his presence, we are done. Just sing that. Wonderful. Beautiful, glorious, marvelous, matchless. 
Those are all, oh, I don't know those words. Make them up. <laughs> I rarely sing the song just the way that it goes right here. Especially when I'm not in here. I drive around and I sing some songs. Some of them I think, that's pretty good. <laughs> we need to write that down. I'm going to change the words to that one. But I realized after a while, it was just good for me, not for anybody else. But you have to learn to recite those things. That's part of follow, following after him. You have not, in, in Joshua, you have not been this way before. When you have not been this way before, it is imperative that you follow after his presence. Now, we would much rather it be a pillar of fire and a cloud, but he has chosen to lead us and allow us to follow him by the Holy Spirit, by his word and by the Holy Spirit. We said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's John 14, 6. Right before that, get this. He's beginning to talk about the Holy Spirit to the disciples in this portion of John. And in chapter 13, in verse 36, he tells them, listen, fellas, because they don't understand this idea that says he's going to go away. What about us? We have been following you all along. What? See, this is the part we have to understand. He's not calling you to be something. He's calling you to follow him. And if you'll follow him, then you'll be something. He told the disciples in Matthew chapter 4, and I'm jumping all over the scriptures here, verse 16, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, hey guys, you're fishers of men, go get him. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We're all too, we're all too busy trying to be what God called us to be instead of loving who he is. We, we want to we wanna get to the end. We spend most of our life in this place, this place between not there anymore and not there yet. We've already been that place. We've already been there and done that, but we haven't got to do this yet. So in our head, we try to figure out how we can get to where we aren't yet. And he says, if you'll just follow me, I'll take you there. If you'll just rest in me, I'll take you there. Moses was fretting there in Exodus when he was, or in Deuteronomy, he was sitting in the tent and asking God, we need your presence. He was fretting and God said, don't worry. As you come, I will be here with you and I will give you rest. And when he went out of the tent, he said, God, don't leave us. Be with us. And know this, if you go, we will go. But if you stay, we will stay. Why is that so important? His presence. He told the disciples in, in, in 1336, where I'm going, you can't go yet. He said, he's talking to him about the, the Holy Spirit. I'm getting ready to die, and I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you to, to, to live on the inside of you. My presence on the inside of you instead of just me with the group of you. And they didn't understand that. They said, no, we want to go with you. And he said, where I'm going right now, you can't go yet. But, jump down to 14 in that 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 part right in there. He says, I am going to prepare a place for you. He is the firstborn, and he is coming through, and he's making a way as the, you know, we talked about it at Easter a couple years ago. The curtain was rent, and the door was thrown open, and we follow him through the door. 
He said, you can't go right now, but I'm telling you, I'm going to make a way for you so that you can do what? Follow me. And then he says, you know what? It's not just about salvation and it's not just about you following me into the kingdom of heaven, but you know what? You have a job to do on this earth. And so I want you to follow me where you are right here in this earth. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to come down. He's going to, re- he's going to reside on the inside of you and he's going to lead you. John 16, 13, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. Well, if somebody's guiding you, what do you do? You follow them. You follow the Holy Spirit in your life. He's guiding you into the place where he wants you to be. John 10, verses 4 and 5 says, Jesus was speaking and he was using an analogy of a shepherd, but he said, My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So he's telling us that, listen, You can hear his voice. Listen, he wants to lead you and guide you by his spirit. And he's saying, you have the ability to follow me. And the voice that isn't me, then you don't listen to that voice. Only follow the one that you know. Well, how do I know it? You mature in Christ, you learn his word, and you follow after him and fall in love with him. I know it's her on the phone, not because we have caller ID. I know it's her on the phone because I know her voice. Well, how do you know her voice? We've been together for 24 years and I love her with all my heart. We're close. We've spent time together. See, we're always with each other. We've talked to each other. You don't find, we've talked about that this before too. You don't find fake currency by knowing all the different kinds of fake currency. You find out fake currency because you know the, you know the, the real thing so well that you can't be fooled by the fake. My sheep will hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Well, how do you do that? You love him more than you love anything else. You follow him with all of your heart. If he doesn't move, you don't move. If he moves, you move. If he goes quick, you go quick. If he goes slow, you go slow. If he goes left, you go left. If he goes right, you go right. Day by day. Just learning, Nancy. Day by day to follow after him. It says in Romans 8, 14. That those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And when I teach this in determining divine direction, I say those that are led by the Spirit of God are the mature sons and daughters of God. Why do we add mature to that? Because I'm not supposed to add anything to the Word. Because to be led by the Spirit of God, you mature in Christ. There's a maturing process that happens. And there's going to be a maturing process in your life over these next three months, four months, six months, where God continues to pour His Word into your heart, that He shows Himself like we prayed, true to you, and shows you that He's faithful, and shows you that His Word is, is for you, and that who He's created you to be, you can be it. And that what's happened in the past is the past. And you may have been there, and you may have done that, and you haven't got there yet, but you're going there. And today what you do is you concentrate on who He is and follow Him, and He will take you there. One day at a time, one revelation at a time. One page as you read, one page as you write what he says, one page as you pray, one page as you write. Revelation after revelation after revelation. That he, it's almost like a brand new life. I mean, it says that we're new creatures in Christ, right? Brand new life. That this summer, you follow after him. You keep your eyes peeled for him. You say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know your voice. I want you to lead me and guide me. I don't want to make a wrong step. Not in fear, in faith. Say, God, I I want to be who you call me to be. 
And, and I want you to show yourself faithful and true to me every day. When you get up in the morning, you get up in the morning and you say, God, I love you. I am here for you. Use me however you want to use me. Lead me and guide me by your spirit. I am available to you. I want to live my life intentionally to follow after you. And you know what he does when you ask? He begins to pour it out. Then he begins to show you new truth. He begins to show you new revelation. He begins to give you direction. All of a sudden, you know things you didn't know. You see things you haven't seen and you hear things you've never heard. Why? Because you're following him. I'm telling you, that pursuit of his presence is important. Are you going after his presence? Or are you just going after his goods? That's the question that we have. Are you going after his presence or are you going after his goods? Are you following after Jesus? Are you following after something that you want from him? And see, too many of us, as we, as we, as we come to Christ, we're not necessarily mature. And, and maybe it's routine, maybe it's immaturity, maybe it's just ignorance, you don't know any better, whatever that is. We end up following after things and not him. And if you follow after things, it'll always take you down the wrong path. But if you follow after him, you will always have things. Why does it make sense? It's it's true. It's the word. That as you follow after him, you will always, always have things. We'll finish with this scripture in Matthew chapter 16. It says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it follow him you'll find life he is the way he's the truth and he's also the life you find those things in him you don't find them in people you don't find them in different churches here there wherever you find them in him and let me just end with this because you may have been following after him and you you may have done that at one point in your life. Or maybe you say, you know what? I've never followed after him, but I am so stinking lost. I don't know where I am. Listen, it's all right. He says in Luke, in verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 4, he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go and find the one that is lost? It says he goes after the one that's lost until he finds it. I was little. Pastor Pam talked about this. I don't know if it was on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. And we were moving to Tulsa, and she loaded up all of her stuff. And my grandpa and I were in the, in the car behind my mom, following her on the way to Tulsa. And uh, <laughs> it had been snowing. There was snow everywhere. And, and we were following her, and, and we weren't paying attention because we're just following her. And then all of a sudden, she went off a different direction. And I said, Grandpa! And this is a long time ago. I mean, I was 12, so they they didn't have any kind of phones. We're lucky to have Alexander Graham Bell, you know, just doing whatever. I mean, this was a long time ago. Grandpa, Grandpa, we got to get off. Mom, just we got to get off. We got to get off. We got to follow her. And so he's trying, but there's a truck beside us, and he can't he can't get over. And so man, he he's he's gunning his little green station wagon the best he can. But what is coming at us is a gigantic snowdrift. Grandpa! And to this day, I take the blame for all this. He tells me it's my fault. He still does. He's 92, and he says, you got us lost that time. I wasn't driving the car. I was just sitting there. I'm 12. I'm eating the peanut butter and jelly. I got no idea what's going on. My mom went that way. Man, you're not going that way. 
and we couldn't make it. And so we had to go a different direction. But you know what happened in about an hour, hour and a half? We ended up making our way back and we ended up in St. Louis at the same place where my mom was in St. Louis and everything was okay again. You may have been lost and you may have taken the wrong turn and you might not have followed him as well as you wanted to. And you may say, I, I am in the wilderness. I am so, I don't know what's going on in my life. I'm telling you, he's just right around the corner. He's right here with you. It says that even if you lost one sheep out of the hundred, he would stay looking for and trying to find that one sheep. He is looking for you. He knows where you are. He's just waiting for you to come back on the road so that you can meet up in the right place at the right time. He doesn't, my mom would not have left she would not have left St. Louis until she found me because she loves me. She may have had Lori and Matt with her, but I'm telling you, I, I know who the favorite was. And she wasn't going out of that place until she had her Johnny. I, I know. Let's stand up because I want to pray for you. That's true, isn't it? We got lost. It was a little freaky. That's back in the day before you could do anything. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't call anybody. Stop and burn tires. Hope they see the smoke. I mean, there's the I got nothing. I mean, no phone. But I just felt that today just to encourage you. And maybe, Nancy, all this is just for you. I, I don't know. God seems to be speaking to you. Follow him. Just follow him. As you read the word and it lights up in front of you, write that down. Follow him. As you're here today, maybe you're lost. I'm telling you, he's good at finding things. And if you're lost, you can be found. You can get right back on the road and continue following Him. Let's pray tonight. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.